This podcast episode is based on a webinar I did for Product Management Today a few months ago. I'll put a link to the webinar in the show notes, but I've used the topic of roadmaps to kind of go off on a bit of a jag here. The webinar is actually much more straightforward, so check that out. If you've read my book or some of my articles, you know that I have a somewhat unusual opinions about roadmaps, and you're about to hear more of that and actually fleshed out since what I put in my book. What is a roadmap anyway? Well, one definition, I found this on the internet, a high-level visual summary that maps out the vision and direction of your product offering over time. And that sounds fantastic, of course, but that is a trap. And at minimum, what you need to add to that, if you're thinking about presenting a roadmap, is you need to add for a specific audience to tell a particular story. You know, there's some products out there for product managers that let you create very pretty roadmaps. I don't use them, and you'll get a sense of why during this episode. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 69 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. Now, I do this podcast because I think there's better models and ways of thinking about doing the stuff we do as product managers and being a product manager. And unfortunately, too often we're pitched or trained or we just receive wrong old models and ideas. And this episode is an example of that, in my opinion. In each episode, I really try to shatter the old thinking, or at least challenge it, and give you new ideas and new mental models and new approaches to what we do, why we do it, how to do it better and more effectively. And I also want to let you know what the impact is of improving all of those things. So today's topic, as you figured out, it's roadmaps. Why we do them, the pitfalls and dangers, why that's not our fault in some sense, it's the fault of reality and what we have to do to manage that, and how to talk to your stakeholders about the future in a way that provides value to them and to you. Now, you can find the notes for this show plus a place to leave me a comment or a complaint if you don't agree on this episode at alltheresponsibility.com slash 69. Roadmaps are yet another of those metaphors that we receive as product managers that are maybe not great in terms of their explanatory power. I could go on and on talking about things like requirements, which is another metaphor that we received as product managers, came from another domain that sort of seemed like product, but it's very different. And of course, as we all know, those product requirements that we write down, they're not really required. Whereas in the old days, requirements were literally required for the type of thing that they were used to describe. So we inherited that term from a different discipline, from weapon system procurement and aerospace, basically, and it's caused us all kinds of trouble. That's a topic for a different episode. I won't get into it. And I always love to talk about user stories as another one of these things that we received and that maybe people didn't fully think out. You know, in fact, a fun little trip down a rat hole and an adventure in people not being very articulate in their writing is to visit one of the original wikis, the WikiWiki web and its discussion pages about user stories. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes. All those guys, and they were all guys, who contributed to the Agile Manifesto were in this conversation, as well as a lot of other folks, in the mid-90s. The original gurus and original gangsters of Agile and Scrum, these guys were. And I dare you to figure out what a user story is based on what's written there in the article about user stories. So I'll give you the link to that. Anyway, that's enough on the topic of the metaphors that we get. Let's get to roadmaps and about why that particular metaphor is a bit challenging. If you think about what a roadmap is in the re in reality world, in the physical world, it's a piece of paper, or maybe it's a book, or maybe it's now on your phone, that tells you how to get to a place. You say, I'm going to start here, I want to get to this other place. How do I do that? What are the roads that I have to take? 
It's very concrete. The landscape that we're going to travel over is known. Somebody's been there before, they marked out the landmarks, and then they created a map of that so that other people could use that to get to those landmarks. If you think about what the world looked like before it was fully explored, right, and what maps of the world looked like at that point, you had things like at the edges of the known world, it said, here there be dragons. On Amerigo Vespucci's original map of North America, Amerigo Vespucci is sort of the namesake of North Amer of America, of the Americas, right? His original map had California separate from the rest of the continent of North America because nobody had explored the inside of the continent of North America at that point. He could present that roadmap, but if somebody then tried to do something with it or try to do an, ex an, an exploration based on the fact that California was an island, they would have failed. point is that maps are really valuable. They're very super powerful when... You have actually explored the terrain already when somebody has, and you use them to help navigate through that. Well, of course, in our world, we don't really know what the terrain looks like in the future. We're talking about the, a roadmap of the future. And so if we're using maps as a metaphor, I think it's useful to remember some of these realities as I just described. What we're really trying to do, setting aside the map metaphor, when we're doing these kinds of presentations, is talk about what we think is going to happen in the future. Now, predicting the future, as you may have heard, is hard. Credit for some of the thinking I'm going to share now goes to Dean Leffingwell in a great book of his called Scaling Software Agility. I'll put a link to that book in the show notes. It's one of my favorites. It's a great read if you want to understand the pluses and minuses of different software methodologies, including both Agile and Waterfall. And Waterfall, in fact, does have some pluses, believe it or not. And there are a few others that are used in the world, but are usually still called Agile because everybody wants to be Agile. If you think about this idea of predicting the future, what are some things you can say? Well, one fundamental rule, it's a lot easier to predict closer to now than further away from now. In other words, shorter timelines. It also turns out that we, that is, all humans, are terrible at predicting how long, how long things will take to build or make. And if you sort of combine those things with a little thought, you realize that that means that optimizing your delivery schedule for effort, in other words, you get the estimates, you say, well, how long is each of these things going to take? How can we optimize the use of resources to deliver all these things? That will almost never work because the estimates you get for how long things will take will almost always be wrong. That's not because people are bad or malingerers. It's because people are terrible at predicting the future in that way. It's just a terrible thing. We're not good at it. If it does work, it's an accident or you're cheating. And usually that's by really padding out the schedule, sandbagging, because that's really the only way to do it because of our own human nature and because the world is not predictable in that way in the future. Now, the good news on the flip side is that optimizing your delivery schedule based on delivering the most value as fast as you can is actually a worthwhile alternative. And that may mean that you're not quite as efficient with the use of your resources as you would otherwise be, of course, in this fantasy world where you actually knew how long things were going to take. But it does mean that your team is always working on the most valuable thing they could. You know, so even if you can't absolutely predict when you'll deliver it, you can be confident that when you do deliver something, it will be the most valuable thing you could have delivered at that point. And that's essentially what Agile is, right? Deliver value as fast as possible in small increments that you can pretty much predict reasonably well, like two-week sprints. And always be on top of your backlog so you always have the next most valuable thing you could work on ready to go. And that's the defin definition of Agile. And it really means that everything you're working on is valuable. You're not working on anything that's not valuable. And unfortunately, trying to optimize for effort often ends up front-loading stuff that's that's not that valuable and back-loading stuff that is more valuable. And that's a bad approach. When things slip, the valuable stuff doesn't make it to market.
If you want to have more insights into predicting the future, it still probably won't help you with your software products roadmap. Uh, there's a great another great book. It's really about predicting the future, not in the context of software, but in a lot of other in a lot of contexts and software being one of them. Books called Flash Foresight by Daniel Burris, a book that really blew my mind when I first read it a few years ago. Highly recommended. And again, a link to that on the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 69. Of course, roadmaps, whatever you're going to share with stakeholders about the vision and direction of your product, you have to look a little further out than two weeks. So what do you do about that? Just as an aside, by the way, if you're struggling with your roadmap, with presenting it to stakeholders, maybe I can help you out. I have availability for a few new coaching clients, and you can test me out with no obligation on a 30-minute free coaching call. Just go to alltheresponsibility.com slash coaching and set up an appointment with me. Even in a short call like this, you can get a lot of value. It's not a sales pitch for my coaching. It's actually real coaching. Uh, but who knows? You might find it value enough, valuable enough that you want to continue on. That would be great. Totally up to you. But you can get started with a free call with me, and that's at alltheresponsibility.com slash coaching. You're probably saying to yourself now, but we need to share what we're working on, don't we? Isn't that what the roadmap is? Isn't that the purpose of this presentation? And it's actually not. That is actually not the purpose of the presentation. The roadmap presentation is not about all the things we're working on. It's about what does the audience need to know about what we're working on. That changes the conversation a lot. Now, you and I, we are completists, the people listening to this podcast episode, as well as me. We love to share everything we know, all the ideas we have, all the stuff we think will be amazing when we get it to market. And of course, we want to present our team effectively in terms of the work they're doing, talk about what they're working on really hard to deliver, and what they're planning and what will come next and how they're solving these design problems and all these things. Those are what we want to talk about because we're completists and we're very close to that work that's happening. And of course, to us, we kind of understand that Things we want to build, we might not be able to build, or they might take longer, but that's because we've been here a long time and we understand that. The people to whom you're presenting, let's call them your stakeholders or their, your audience, they, on the other hand, don't need to know everything. They have very different priorities from you. And to make an effective presentation of those folks, you need to understand what they need. And it's often not a list of features. Every stakeholder wants something different from you in this presentation. In fact, they all need something. The reason that they're putting the time in to listen to you is because they need something from you. Sometimes what the audience needs is to know about all the things you're working on, but that's actually fairly rare. Oftentimes, the audience doesn't need to know all that. In fact, they're only interested in a subset of things, and those are what you should talk about to them. And sometimes the audience really just wants to hear that you love them and are taking their ideas into account and that you are an ally. If you think of all the different kinds of situations that we get into when we're doing roadmap presentations, that's a really common one. You know, in my career, I've presented a roadmap in all of the following scenarios more than once, and I'm probably forgetting some. I've presented to a prospect. I presented to an existing customer who needs a nudge to renew. I presented to my team. I presented the roadmap for a component that I'm working on to other folks on the product management organization. I presented a roadmap to the executive leadership team, to the sales team during the annual sales meeting, to the product marketing team, to the annual customer conference, and that's a bunch of customers at that conference, and probably industry analysts as well. I presented individually to industry analysts who know and love me already, and to industry analysts with whom I've never worked. And of course, I presented to the customer success team, 
and to the sales engineers. Now, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few of these roadmap presentations I've done over time. And there are others that I probably haven't done, but other people have had to do in terms of presenting the roadmap. Just listening to that list, you know that you're not going to approach all of those audiences the same way. You're not going to talk to them the same way. You might dress differently. You'll use different words and levels of formality. So why would you show them all the same roadmap? Do they all have the same concerns about what you're going to deliver and how it impacts them? No, they don't. Is the risk of overcommitting much higher with some of these audiences than with others? Yes. Do they all have different levels of technical understanding of your product? They definitely do. And do they have different levels of reality distortion field through which they view everything you say? Yeah, they do. You know, the sales team looks at, they hear everything you say through a certain set of filters that are about, can I sell this? Even if it's something that doesn't yet exist. Whereas the industry analysts, they look at everything through a set of filters that are, does this align with the things that I think are going on with the market and with the buzzwords that I'm trying to create in the market? So those are very different sets of reality distortion fields. They're both reality distortion fields, but they mean you have to talk about what you're working on very differently. The bottom line is you're not going to share the same roadmap with all of these different audiences. Now, one thing you can think of is sort of two types of audiences, roughly internal and external. You can divide the audiences, one for people who are solving the problem, that is your internal technical team and related people, and then the people for whom you are solving the problem. In other words, those are that would be customers. It's actually also salespeople, even though salespeople are in your company. For this, for this perspective, they're really more externals. Analysts are often those people out there. The analysts hear from their customers about the problems their customers are solving. So your roadmap should talk about those problems and how you're solving them, not necessarily about what you're doing. All those external folks care a lot more about the problem, really, than they do the solution. They want to hear that you're solving the problem. They don't care as much about how you're solving the problem. They do care about the solution to the degree that it solves the problem, of course, roughly speaking. This is not totally true because, of course, a lot of the folks we're talking to externally also are kind of technical themselves, and so they like some aspects of the technology. So you have to balance all this. The people who are solving the problem, that's like your developers, your internal folks, they actually care much more about the solution itself. Although even for them, it turns out that putting the solution into the context of the problem it solves can be extremely motivating and will often result in better solutions faster. So let me just summarize where, where we are right now. First of all, roadmaps are guesses, right? They're not really maps into the future. They're guesses about what's going to happen. They're, good, they're educated guesses, but they're still guesses. They're often going to be wrong. What you put on a roadmap, particularly if you put something detailed or specific on there, is often not going to come true. And they'll diverge further from being correct the further out in the future you go. The second thing is that the purpose of a roadmap is not to talk about all the things you're building. It's to tell a story to the stakeholders about what they are interested in. And that, as I said, might not actually be features at all. It might very well be, can I convince this stakeholder that we're going to be around in two years so they can commit to a a maintenance agreement, a two-year maintenance agreement? There's going to be more than one roadmap. Each stakeholder potentially gets their own. And, of course, that's what our job is in product management, managing all of these conflicting things. That's our job. So how do you do this? Well, one of the things you want to apply to this is Persuasion 101. You need to do things like put yourself in your audience's shoes because you need to understand what it is that they're concerned about. What are they worried about? What do they need to hear about? 
you need to also manage their subconscious, what I call pre-handle objections. I'll talk a little more about that in a minute. You should use stories and other persuasion techniques to the degree that you can, right? Our products are solutions to problems. And problems always create great stories. If there are problems we're solving, there's probably good stories related to those problems about what our customers were facing before they got our solution, about what our prospects are currently facing because they don't have our solution yet, or what anybody in the market is facing because of the fact that we haven't yet built the, the solution that we're putting onto our roadmap, right? That's a, that's a great way to talk about a thing that you're building in the future is to say, hey, we know there's all these people that are suffering from, these, from this challenge, and we know they don't have a good solution, and we're building that, and we're going to be solving that problem. Now, you don't necessarily know how you're going to solve that problem yet, and you certainly don't know what all the features are, or you may not, you know, depending on the timing of what you're talking about. But you do know that you're going to attack that problem, right? And that's really valuable, and it's very motivating to everybody who hears it. Let's start by talking about a few of these persuasion one-on-one techniques. And I will put a link to some other podcasts where I go into more detail on each of these in a highly enjoyable and educational way. Um, I, I actually like re-listening to my podcast episodes. It's kind of funny. Uh, again, you're, you'll find those links on the, in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 69. So the first thing I mentioned was putting yourself in your audience's shoes. What do they need to know? Of course, not everybody needs to know everything. We talked about that. You know, sometimes the roadmap, in fact, is just a way to start a discussion. You know, there's, I've actually been in a, many roadmap meetings where the contents of the roadmap isn't discussed. And we maybe never even get to that slide. It's just a means to slide into a conversation about what they need and how you're helping them achieve it. Totally separate from what you've got on your boxes and grids on your, on your roadmap. So you want to know things about what are they worried about? You, you need to figure this out. They're explicit and implicit fears. And then you need to make sure you address them using the techniques that I call pre-handling objections in your presentation. You know, I go into a lot more detail, detail on pre-handling objections in episode number 61, alltheresponsibility.com slash 61. A lot of people have told me that this was one of the most eye-opening and immediately useful sets of tools that I've talked about in the podcast, so I highly recommend that one. By pre-handling objections, you can manage their undesired subconscious reactions. In other words, make sure they don't have those undesired subconscious reactions like, oh, this person is lying to me or I don't believe that. And you can also manage their subconscious fear of risk. People are always concerned that the thing that you're promising them won't actually do what you promise it will do, right? They have a problem. You're saying, we're going to have a solution to that problem. Their biggest risk is that your solution doesn't really work even if they, they might end up buying it and then it doesn't work. And that's, that makes their problem even bigger. Now, the biggest risk for you is managing all the expectations that come up. If you say that maybe you'll do it, that's often taken as a commitment. It shouldn't be, but people are not rational. Your audience is not rational. So you have to be very careful about what you say you'll do. You need to keep the discussion at a high level if you must talk about product feature-like things, right? You can't talk about details of these features, especially if they haven't been designed yet, much less built. Ideally, you don't talk about individual features. You talk about the problems you expect to solve or are working to solve or the outcomes you'd like to drive or deliver. So let's sort of tie this all together at the end here. Let's talk about three things you can start doing to make your roadmap presentation experience better. Well, first of all, remember that your roadmap sets an expectation no matter what you say. It's up to you what expectation is set, and you get to manage that as the product manager or the presenter. 
you definitely want to avoid making concrete predictions about features and functionality that's not yet built or designed to the degree that you can. And your predictions will almost certainly be wrong if you predict those detailed things. And the disappointed expectations can be very hard to recover from if you've made those. So try to avoid that. Focus your roadmap on outcomes and transformations, not on features. This helps manage expectations, and it's also much more aligned typically with what the audience is actually interested in. They're interested in what are the outcomes, the benefits, what's the promised land that we're going to get to. And finally, number three, understand the desires, needs, requests, and pains of the audience so you can tailor the presentation. You should expect that you will have to do a different roadmap visualization slash presentation for every roadmap presentation. The reality is you'll be able to reuse what you do, right? So it's not going to be really 100% new. But for each audience, you're going to have to customize it a bit, most likely, or even a lot. And you might even have sort of two or more basic roadmap versions, maybe one with more details that you can use with internal people on the technical side who are close to the technology, and one with fewer details that serves as the basis for your conversations about the future and the vision with outsiders, with the people for whom your product solves the problem. So I hope these ideas about roadmaps give you something to work from when it's time to present the roadmap to some stakeholders, right? It's going to be a different roadmap depending on who the stakeholders are. You really need to try to understand where they're coming from, what their needs are. I mentioned several resources, books, and previous podcasts in the episode. And of course, you can find links to all of them in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 69. If you are struggling with a roadmap or just want some advice or a sounding board, schedule that free half-hour coaching session with me at alltheresponsibility.com slash coaching. It'll definitely be worth your time, I promise. You can also just drop me an email, and I'll probably answer it. I always answer my emails. What am I talking about? And I'm, I love to help out. If you have questions, just feel free to reach out in any case. On the show notes page, you'll also find links to subscribe to the podcast on all the various services. The great benefit of subscribing, of course, if you don't already know this, is that you'll get the new episodes automatically when I release them, which has not been that regularly during the pandemic, but I'm continue to release them nonetheless. Um, there's a lot more information on the show notes page as well, including how to get in touch with me, how to get in touch with me directly via email. There's a comment section. I'd love to hear from you, particularly if you think this perspective on roadmaps is flawed. I'd love to hear why you think so. Um, there's a link to my book. I did write a book about product management. It's a great book, especially if you're just starting out, and a lot more. Your recommendations and ratings and reviews on this podcast, also help other product managers and innovators find the podcast. So it really helps if you go out and maybe go to Apple iTunes and review, you know, put up a review or at least put up some a star rating on the podcast. That'd be really great. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye.